0: Warning, critique revolve
1: contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. My brother gave his life hunting the enemy. His task is now mine. Speaking truth.
0: stand with me, ours was no chance meeting,
1: not fate, nor destiny, ours was the work of something greater.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode, one-off episode, not quite sure of Critique Revolve, where we're going to be discussing the just say much talked about lord of the rings the rings of power the adaptation for the streaming silver screen compared to the major motion pictures uh brought to us by the humble folks at amazon very humble very humble you know it it, it was a cheap effort they they well that's my subconscious they're <laughs> cheap it effort. was it was you know the, it was a low budget. They were were trying to make it just purely out of passion, not oh, yeah. not for greed purposes, not for anything you know nefarious or anything. In it's just business. a passion project, really, more than anything else. Uh, where this has been talked about all over the internet, and we talked about, I don't think on air, uh, potentially covering it. When it was coming out, even when we knew it was announced, we've talked about doing some sort of fantasy show discussion on a more regular basis because Mike loves fantasy as well as I do. And Lord of the Rings is, for for me, the comparison is, I love Star Wars, but I fucking love Lord of the Rings. And inverse is Mike. He loves Lord of the Rings, but he fucking loves Star Wars.
1: But I also love the fantasy genre. And a lot of that has to do with the reason why I love Star Wars. Because Star Wars well, space for the fantasy. Mo-
0: it is a fantasy more than science fiction. Correct. Well, because science fiction I find often to be kind of boring in its How dare you, sir. In its rigid adherence to the scientific element and rather I than the fiction for some of it. Yeah. What people consider like hard science fiction, I'm like, well, that just sounds complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and less fun. But yes, we've talked about discussing this show off air. Prior to it coming out, there was a lot of heat on the internet about this show, and I was not feeling super confident with it from the get-go, because for me, one of the hallmarks of something bad is an exceptional amount of marketing. It's one of like the canaries in a coal mine to me. Mm -hmm. The more that you push something, the more I think you need this to sell, because it's not going to do well with word of mouth. And I had my concerns and I made Mike watch this in case he wasn't going to. I was going to force him, you know, clockwork, orange style, prop the eyes open and force him to watch this because a lot of my, like a lot of my adult life now I find is me getting angry or passionate or in love with a TV show and no one else around me having any level of care. So I then call Mike and I'm like, have you seen this? I need to talk to somebody about it. So that's kind of what spurred some of this discussion and rings of power has been met with a lot of hate and a lot of, I wouldn't necessarily say love, but a lot of people who are passionate about it or still think it's pretty good. But, but also
1: that's one side of the coin, right? So critics for the most part seem to be almost aligned with how I view the series. Amazing cinematography. The visuals are stunning. The musical score hmm, is okay. I'm not blowing it as much as many of the other critics. But the biggest problem with critics, as well as myself, I'm not going to speak for you, is its overall pacing Mm -hmm. and the way the narrative is formed. That's where the series, I think, runs into some serious problems. And for the most part, that's what the critics, when I say critics, the real critics, air quotes here, tend to be aligned with for the most part. Now, from the the other side of the t- coin, as you were speaking mm-hmm. from, is from the fans. Right. And, and a lot of the fans themselves are vehemently Against opposed it. to this show.
0: For example, Rotten Tomatoes are ever a uh, useless platform, but one that I find at least interesting from a quick metric test. Critics give What's it an 85. 85- Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Critics give it an 85 certified fresh kind of thing. Audience, 30, 39% rotten.
1: So do you think, because I just now realized this, do you think the two of us are the perfect combination to well, do a show because we kind of
0: represent the two sides? It's one of the reasons I wanted to do this discussion and why I got pestering you for weeks to watch the, the show and we got to do this and I want to bother you. I'm going to eat up an hour of your life because I do think we have a nice back and forth of opposing viewpoints on this because I think so much of the internet is aflame with how it's terrible. And so many critics are blinded by how it's magnificent and, and prophetic and, and just because something looks pretty doesn't mean it's good. And I think as always on our programs, we're trying to come at it from a critical aspect and a fan aspect and say, okay, what's actually wrong? What actually works and what the hell can they do to correct course and i I think we'll have a little bit more of a nuance of what actually isn't working and that isn't just twitter rage or angry people and what is problematic that isn't just glossed over because it's magnificent by blinded critics so that's that's kind of the hope today so my general idea is what about this show works what doesn't bring up some lore issues talk about behind the scenes casting and and some budget and What where our viewpoints are on a lot of that stuff, but really this is going to be kind of more of an open forum discussion and kind of end with what do we think they need to do to improve the general and get more of a unified agreement of this is actually worth watching for season two moving forward because allegedly this is planned for five years and if the audience feedback is as it is, I don't know if they'll continue that five-year plan without making some dramatic changes, which they've already announced in articles. So, yeah, we're going to have a discussion about what we thought about it. So we, at this point, have watched all eight episodes. This is not going to be an episode-for-episode thing. We'd be here for far too long. This is going to be just season one, Rings of Power, what our thoughts were. And I will say, yeah, Mike has been more, you've been more positive about it, and I have been more negative overall. But I think what we agree on is good and what we agree on is needs work are strangely the same.
1: It is, except you are more passionate about certain things. Right. And that I don't want to say excuse because I don't want to invalidate your feelings, but it's slightly skews. just and I'm only using that word because a lack of a better one. And for me, the same could be said.
0: I say this you could argue the same because you yes. are not as familiar with the, with the source material. With the
1: source material, but I am very familiar with the things that we've seen in film form. Right. And I am familiar with the books, but I'm not completely schooled with all of the the nuances of Tolkien's world. There's which, a lot more know, beyond
0: the books that way yeah more.
1: yes. And I have at a point at some point in my life in the nineties, I did read through the how do you say it, Thomas? The Silmarillion. The Similarian. I'm just going to say <laughs> it <Simulacrum>. wrong. The Simulacrum.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, uh, I have read through it. So there are things that I can pick up. I'm just not one of those uber, uber Lord of the Rings fans right. that knows everything. Right. You know, like, for example, me, I'm like that with Star Trek and Star Wars. Right. I know everything. I wish I was like that with Lord of the Rings, but, but imagine having three franchises stuck in my head.
0: It just... Yeah.
1: I'm not that smart, Thomas. I don't have much room in there. I barely have room for the knowledge I have now.
0: And to, you know, just function as a human adult. Nah, fuck that.
1: I I, I delete that stuff
0: <laughs> to make more room for garbage. Yeah, that that checks out. I think we're all guilty of that on this network. Um, But yeah, I, I think that... Let, let's start with some positives, yeah. right? What does the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power have going for it? I would say... For the most part, the visuals and the visual aesthetic is strong. A lot of it does feel like it could be put side by side with Peter Jackson's films when it comes to sweeping landscape, vista shots, the design of a lot of the characters and costumes with regards to at least the elves and perhaps the dwarves in this series in particular, less so the hobbits. And that's a different reason because there's a legality there, which is why they don't get called that. Mm -hmm. And they do a good job making it feel from lighting, from, from color and tone and, and, and aesthetics. It does feel like it fits. It doesn't feel like I'm watching Tim Burton's Batman and then, Joel Schumacher's
1: yes it does feel like a successor visually yeah there is a linkage there through the use of color palette as well as the way they rendered out their visual effects which for me was one of the best highlights of the entire series so in that regard when it comes to visuals that to me that is the best aspect of the entire series because there are moments especially in the first episode that I thought was key for them to establish the visual aesthetic that matched what we're all comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And when I say comfortable, of course, I mean familiar, which if you're trying to make a prequel series and you want to live in that nostalgia or the history of those films, then you have to make sure your visuals match. And there was definitely an attention to matching what Peter Jackson did with the miniatures. And I think that part was really important because for most of us, we know that what gave Lord of the Rings at that time its unique look was the use of practical effects, the bigotures, as they call them. And one of the biggest problems with Peter Jackson's second trilogy is that he just threw out his own playbook. And that's why in his own six films, there is a bit of a...
0: There's a bit of a disconnect.
1: And with this, it feels like they are trying to build on what he established, Peter Jackson established with the original trilogy, because there are moments when you see those effects. They are so properly rendered that they look like they could be miniatures. And what I mean by that is we are now in this trend With visual effects, where we hide our effects. Mm -hmm. We hide them with light blooms and lens flare and blown-out photography in order to fake some of the effects. Whereas with Lord of the Rings here, or Rings of Power, there is none of those tricks. They're not trying to trick us. They are that confident with their visual effects. So to me, that is the number one highlight of the entire series.
0: Yeah, I would say it definitely feels like it would be closer to the original Lord of the Rings than perhaps the Hobbit. And there is some aspects of the Hobbit's production and pre-production that causes some of that grief.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like I've said this to other people before, before people really were plugged into Lord of the Rings as much as they are now because of this show, which I personally might be my biggest praise for it is that it got people interested in the old movies and the books. Yeah. But prior to I would describe The Hobbit is to The Lord of the Rings as what hardcore angry original Star Wars fans felt like the prequel trilogy was to the original trilogy. Hmm. Yeah. Over CGI heavy, far more childish and just didn't care for it. <laughs> right. And from at least a visual standpoint I would say yeah, this does feel more like Peter Jackson stuff. And they they don't deliberately, I'd say except for perhaps the Hobbits, throw anything in the face of what came before. And I think the budget, the budget for this show reportedly is five hundred million dollars over the course of eight episodes. Half half a billion. Uh which is shocking.
1: Or the five seasons?
0: No. No. For this allegedly.
1: Oh really cuz I originally the budget was expected to be in the range of 100 to 150 million per season and eventually over the course of the show it would likely exceed 1 billion.
0: Yeah, apparently this is according to business insider rings of power spent or Amazon spent nearly 500 million just to make this season. Is that including
1: the price for the license? Cuz originally there was also a 250 million dollar price tag attached
0: there. I can double check that. I mean, we don't need to get into yeah, all of but, that,
1: but regardless the, the, the fact that the license allegedly through different sources have said a few different things, give or take 10, 15 million that even to buy the rights.
0: Yeah. Was so here 250
1: here it is $250 million dollars, roughly.
0: Yeah. Amazon dropped big money on rings of power beyond its hefty production budget. It also spent 250 Jesus. million just for the rights and millions more on marketing. The total cost for season one has been estimated to be about $1 billion, around Jeez. $1 billion. Wow. And that is something that I'm, I'm truly shocked by because while the aesthetic does look good for, I'd say, a good chunk of it, at least 85% of the show, I don't see where the money went. I agree. There's one thing to say it looks great, it looks authentic to Peter Jackson. It's another thing to say we spent half a million just on making one season. So divided by eight, what you're coming up to a hundred million dollars per episode. No shit. I can't do math, but, but it doesn't make sense. Well, most of these are open fields. Most of these are costume designs. Now I will say the orcs look fucking phenomenal.
1: And even though we have numerous locations or settings, if Mm -hmm. you will, for the most part, they cut a lot of corners, and we don't they see do. the traveling. We don't see them go places. One minute, they're in one location, and the next, they're in another, which we'll talk about yeah. that because that's a big problem in itself, and that warrants a whole other discussion. But, yeah, you're right. Like I don't understand where this money's coming, being put into, because well, yeah. to me, this doesn't look any more expensive than a $150, 200000000 million feature film.
0: Yeah. In fact, some parts look worse. Than that
1: well there are moments that are that are smaller there are some episodes that are more nuanced and there's 30 40 minutes where you're sitting in one room listening to people talk or the woods yeah so that is that's man they, they need to fire their line producer well, because and, whoever yeah. did the budget <laughs> was probably someone's embezzling someone's pocketing some, <laughs> someone's yeah. embezzling some money someone's man. doing some Ray Liotta from Goodfellas like, taking a little <laughs> bit off the top <laughs>
0: More than a little. Yeah, because that, I just don't get it. Because the costume design, some parts look great. But then some costumes really beg the question, what's going on here? The armor of the soldiers is one that's gotten a lot of crap for looking kind of like someone just printed it with a 3D model. (laughs) It doesn't look, it doesn't, it's not, <laughs> it's matte so and, dickish. and, and it's matte and has no like heft or weight or glean or moving plate aspect. It's just designed and rigid and looks like someone spray painted some of it. That's funny. And I have to agree with that. But then you have other parts that look just fine. The, the volcano, while I, you know, didn't care for the logic behind a lot of that, thought that looked good. I, I do agree that some of the armor looks, kind of terrible at times. But at the same time, I also thought the volcano, while I didn't agree with the logic behind it, that scene looked pretty good, but I still don't get how you spent as much money on this as other, as James Cameron's avatar.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And that's more of a story aspect, I suppose. So I won't get into that quite yet, but Mm -hmm. yes, I agree. That's why I'm saying the visuals are great,
0: but what are they? Five hundred million dollars, great? No, it's unjustified. Yeah, it's, unless those costumes are all made of like the finest silk and cashmere in the land.
1: Unless they really crafted, you know, three rings <laughs>
0: with with mithril. Yeah, with the queen's jewels from England. You this know? was a mining expedition that they did. That wasn't a set. They actually went underground <laughs> looking for ore. Then, sure.
1: Yeah, if they found a real ball run, you know, and, and had to wrangle him and break him like you would a horse, then yes, $500 million. <laughs> And this is not us just pulling shit out of our ass. We, for the most part, understand movie budgeting. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a thing I've done. So, to me, it feels...
0: Like someone embezzled something. Inflated. Yeah.
1: It feels inflated. And that's not me saying the it doesn't look great.
0: No. I it almost looks fantastic, wonder- but... That's just a lot of money. I almost wonder if it's a flex and or a marketing tactic. Like big dick syndrome? We like, spent so much. You think Game of Thrones was epic? Look how much we spent. You have to watch this. It's amazing. To me, this is throwing caution to the wind. Because I honestly yeah. feel like not only could they have saved
1: money, but it also would have made a tighter better story overall
0: without a doubt if
1: they would have made the first season small they wanted to be game of thrones season seven during their first season
0: they wanted that so bad and it and that is one thing that does unfortunately come across in spades when you look at the actual way the show is produced the narrative some of the elements of the conflict that they've put in it really does want to be game of thrones
1: yeah, and they should have started off as their own thing, Sm- much like Fellowship. Fellowship starts off smaller. Then, as each movie that is released, it gets bigger. And then they started over, started back down to zero in The Hobbit. In The Hobbit, they start smaller. The second movie gets larger. Third movie is grand and epic. I don't feel like they did themselves any favor by trying to be as big as they wanted to be. In the first season. It would have been far better. If it took place in one region. With a handful of characters. With allusions to this bigger story. And each subsequent season. You get bigger and bigger and bigger. Not only would that save you. Countless millions of dollars. But you would also have a far better story. That's tighter. Yeah. More cohesive. Yeah. Because this sprawling landscape. That they wanted to. To use as the foundation of their story the backdrop as a backdrop in all actuality, it actually worked against them.
0: So that leads us into one of the, I think is the negative aspects is the narrative.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The biggest, I don't know if there's a biggest necessarily, but one of the biggest issues that it does have is its overall scope. It tried to bite off so much in a single season. We have, A myriad of different characters, a slew of different plot points, a bunch of different locations. And sadly, though, I would say we also are shockingly running into a pacing problem where there's wide swaths of the episodes and scenes in which nothing of relevance or or plot moving it forward actually occurs Yeah,
1: and in doing so, in creating this type of narrative, it actually goes against what Lord of the Rings has always been about. Lord of the Rings, yes, is a grand story. But if you look at every movie, it isn't all over the place. No. You actually have a few select characters.
0: There's three main narratives going on the whole time.
1: And it takes time to get that to to that. Because in the first movie... doesn't have that. Yeah. This one wanted to be... All of these revolving parts, much like a Game of Thrones. So rather than using Lord of the Rings as your playbook, template. they're using Game of Thrones, which is a completely different type of fantasy.
0: For all the praise and comparisons that George R. R. Martin gets for being like an American Tolkien or yeah. the, the inspired by his fundamental narrative and how he goes about it is exceptionally right. different.
1: Oh, One, very different.
0: Tolkien's world is based on hope, optimism, good versus evil. Yeah. And the ability of man to overcome our evil nature. Whereas as Martin's world is based on the evil of man mm-hmm. ultimately winning the day and our own failings leading us down further and further misery, which, although far more realistic, is a far less <laughs> enjoyable story in some ways we cuz his lineage builds out based on mistakes and right. failures and and it feels real cuz that's how the world is whereas there's no one as good as aragorn aragorn in martin's work so it's it's missing the main point and i and i think you bring up a good point the fellowship of the ring was one narrative wouldn't you say that
1: rr R. martin's game of thrones is also slightly
0: cynical it's very cynical it assumes that anybody who's good has good intentions, does the right thing, will be killed, betrayed, or just simply lose. Yeah. And that's not what Sam does. That's not what the Fellowship does. Completely different. It's a completely different worldview. It may have the same flavor, but it doesn't have the same end goal.
1: It's the same genre, but it's a very different, it's on the different side of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. And so I think that it's important to bring up, though, what you said, which is, the narrative difference, they they took the middle part, the exciting parts of yeah. Two Towers and Return of the King and said, this is how we're going to do it. Not realizing that the first third, like you said, is from a single point of view of Frodo going through, learning about and his adventures with the Fellowship, the Ring and all the situations they find themselves in. It's not until the Two Towers that they're split or end of the first movie that they're split up into different groups. And by the third one, they all come back to rejoin at at the end. That's why it's so awesome. Because that was modeled after his life. He and his friend, Tolkien and his friends had gone to war, lost track of each other, and some came back by the end of the war, but not everybody. And everybody was changed for it. And that's the whole part of the story. Whereas this just wants the wide sweeping, like you said, epics, landscape and various narratives. But unfortunately, some of them do not ten- connect to any of the other stuff. I think ultimately what it
1: comes down to is they wanted the payoff without the work.
0: That's what I think is the show's biggest problem, is it wants the payoff without the work. And that is not simply how they wrote the episodes. To be devil's advocate, do mm-hmm. you think possibly that's also that mode of,
1: of thought the writers had, do you think a lot of that is indicative of the audience appetite? Like, the audiences want instant gratification nowadays. When it comes to their TV shows, they're less willing to be patient. Like, if Breaking Bad were to come out today, no one would watch it.
0: I disagree. I don't think it would Because Better Call Saul is out today, and everyone watched it.
1: Yeah, but look at the numbers. Yes, it's critically acclaimed,
0: but even the numbers are not what but here's the thing, dude. Numbers don't mean anything today.
1: No, it doesn't. But it also <laughs> shows you when it comes to the value. If we're making value judgments on television shows or movies, then yeah, ratings and box office mean dick. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it does make or break whether or not a series was A, popular within the mainstream, or B, is it going to continue? Is there going to be life to this series? So ratings and box office do play a part and it also is a good measurement to help directors, writers, studios determine whether or not they should do a certain story and how it should be told. So the way they told the story, do you think it has a lot to do with what audiences
0: want nowadays? I don't. I think it is more of a misguided. I I think the problem with some of the story is the problem we see in a lot of media today, which is a presumption that this is what the audience wants. Yep. I, I w- I'm asking the questions. That's yeah. it.
1: Because obviously looking at the 39% Ron Tomatoes, this isn't what the fans want.
0: Correct. <laughs> that's the thing is that according to some statistics, Ring of Power lost 25% of its viewership after the first episode.
1: That is so bad. That is not good,
0: dude. That is shocking.
1: Most shows <laughs> that are going to be successful contenders within pop culture and, and hold on to some type of ma- mainstream dominance, they increase with each episode. And they increase from season to season. But if you have a show that dips from episode to episode and from season to season, there's no reason to continue your show. In fact, a studio is probably if, if they have the same effect next season with the fans and their ratings, I guarantee you they're going to pull back the budget for the third season.
0: They, if if have they to. even get there. Well, and then they, there's a lot of comparisons with Rings of Power, which was steadily growing its viewership. At the same time. Not Rings of Power. or Sorry, House of the Dragon was growing its viewership at the same time because there was obviously the direct comparison. They come out at the same time. And Game of Thrones was in a much, much worse standing, I would say, thanks to the similar vitrolic feedback from fans with Season 8 and its failings. Yeah. But its viewership was growing. And according to Whip Media, the... 21 million worldwide users of their time app house of the dragon had 20% more followers than rings of power at the start of august of 2022 so if you're losing 25% of your audience within an episode and this other show is slowly through word of mouth alone because i don't know many people that watched it in the beginning watching house of the dragon were like yeah it's gonna be great because if game of thrones put such a bad taste in everyone's mouth But it did the work to stand on its own legs and it has been one of the only shows I've heard nothing but praise for with every continuing episode until its finale. I think that this current setup of it has to be exciting. We got to do all these things is a producer mindset of more is the same flawed logic of and I only bring this up because I've been watching a lot of documentaries about it. Opioid use. I need more more dopamine bigger amount bigger hit You'll never capture that first hit. So you're trying to constantly take more and more just to feel something. And I feel like that's what a lot of producers and studios today do with their streaming. They constantly need content hits, dopamine hits, the cocaine, the opioid, whatever it is. So they're looking at how do we do more, bigger, better, faster. But they get it to a point where audiences disconnect.
1: Yeah. Slightly going off subject, but staying with something you said a moment ago about viewership, Thomas. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, uh, it would take weeks. It's a whole separate field of study to go through all of the data and numbers for a show like this. But there was a recent report done by Nielsen, Mm -hmm. which says a lot about the potential life of this show. This is not a good number. Nielsen stated in November that viewers above the age of 50 formed 42% of the audience. Mm. That's not good. That's not good. Everyone knows that the aging demo is not the demo you want because there's no longevity there. They need people who are 16, 17, 18, 20, 25, 30 years old, because those are the audiences that they can latch onto And use them to spur them on for the next 10, 15, 20 years when it comes to a franchise. And if you're not appealing to the younger demo, your show is dead. For all intents and purposes, a show that appeals to people above the age of 50, it's dead in the water. In fact, if this was on any other network, it probably would have been canceled based on that number alone. In fact, there was a show called Longmire that aired on AMC. A&E, not AMC. A&E. The ratings were ridiculous through the roof ratings. It broke records and guess what they did. They canceled it after two seasons because, and this is from their website. The audience they were attracting was 50 plus and it was not the buying demo. So we're canceling the show. Yeah. Because we're just not important as we get older. So this actually, this data says spells a lot of doom and gloom for the future of this show.
0: Well, the other thing, too, is that apparently, while it is capturing this older audience, House of the Dragon has been pulling in the younger viewership. Of course. So so that's not good. And I think there's, like I said, to kind of wrap that point up. I think there's a misguided notion that you need to just constantly be throwing more bigger flashier in our face constantly. Yeah. Because people like nothing is an event anymore. Nothing matters anymore. When we're got we're just bombarded with content every day. Some people I know a lot of people are just looking for an alternative to breathe. Oh, to get away from all the noise. Yeah. When you have to build anticipation, when you're excited for something, when it is an event, a hallmark event, that is what humans, I feel like, need to strive for. How many people do you know just look for that two-week vacation they take off? Mm-hmm. The weekends don't matter. The, the stuff that happens constantly eventually just becomes white noise. I think that the only fundamental truth that we've learned about entertainment is that a good story well told will always be successful maybe not maybe there's other factors against it or maybe it'll take time but it always ends up successful and a flashy story poorly told is tossed into the bin of history and forgotten so
1: yeah i think when it comes down to it even though there's always going to be garbage out there that a lot of people go watch for example there
0: always will fast be. and the furious franchise the bachelor
1: yeah yeah <laughs> love island i'm guilty of that you, you are there's always going to be that garbage entertainment that people want to watch because they want sheer escapism. But also I think there is a misconception and I'm guilty of that sometimes, but there's this misconception that the general audiences will eat up anything. Yeah. And as we're seeing, and I'm actually starting to love humanity again because of this, as the years go by, and we've been saying this now for almost 10 years, Content is just not that good anymore. Movies, yeah. TV, it, they, they, TV has fooled people because of high production value, amazing cinematography. Things you wouldn't get back in the day. Yeah, and because of that, people think for a moment, oh, this show's great. And then suddenly, they start losing interest. And the reason why they lose interest because the, the most important component of any form of entertainment, whether it be, when I say, um, yeah, yeah, any form of entertainment, comes down to how That entertainment is being delivered. And in this case, with television, books, and movies, is how you write your story.
0: Well, the other thing too, dude, I think we have to look at how we're consuming media differently. Now, I know a lot of people who watch crap shows, and I ask them why. And they say, well, I'm kind of watching it. I just have it on in the background. Mm Mm-hmm. That has become more and more common and a thing that I've heard while they're scrolling,
1: while they're scrolling phone. through
0: their phone, while they're eating and cooking dinner, mm-hmm. while they're doing chores and stuff in a way, streaming of low quality content has become the radio of the thirties and forties. I was about to say that. Yep. It is it's literally something that the radio. we view. Oh, our numbers are great. Yeah, but it's not anything anybody is talking about. The radio has never been pop culture. Pop culture and, and cultural movements and things we get behind are the water cooler moments that we talk about. Mm-hmm. People who watched Seinfeld, people who would, before it became, you know, rapey, uh, would watch the Cosby show. People, who, I know so many people, every Monday was the Game of Thrones discussion hour when that show was at its height. I don't know anybody who's giving a flying fuck about some of these other shows. And I think rings of power, unfortunately, falls into more of that than it does everyone was watching it every week. Mm -hmm. If we are looking at just the numbers, then yeah, maybe your numbers are sustainable, but you're not capturing hearts, minds, interests of the youth. You're not inspiring. You're not building those moments that people build other franchises off of and create lasting IPs. You're just more noise. Yeah,
1: but bringing it back to what this means for the show, mm-hmm. because we know that streaming of late has hit a roadblock, Yeah, that it's not the end all that all these studios had thought it was going to be, and Amazon over the last couple months, it has been in the midst of, of slaying people, meaning firing, <laughs> letting people go, yeah. they are tightening up that belt. They're closing down departments, they're canceling TV shows, whittling down budgets because of the, the the profit and loss statements. They're looking at their future as well and they realize that they're probably going to start bleeding even more money within the subsequent years. So with Amazon's attempt to save money and slashing things left and right, are they going to give this show another second season with this type of budget? Are they going to say, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it.
0: I think because they've talked about this is planned for five seasons and that might be true and they might stick to that. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, than to kind of give a middle finger to the critics in the angry members of the audience by saying, well, we're going to do our five seasons come hell or high water. But I do think they won't be dumb about it. And if that has to hit five more years, it's not getting that kind of money. You can't.
1: If you're Jeff Bezos and whoever's in charge of their programming, I'm not sure who is the actual gentleman mm-hmm. or woman who's in charge of their programming, but even though you have to, you have to walk that fine line between toxic fans and legitimate fans, because there are a lot of trolls nowadays,
0: yeah, you can't, are.
1: you can't look at that 39% average audience score and shrug and say, fuck it. We're going to just keep doing what we're doing. You can't. Yeah. You have to take some of that into account. And we'll see, right? What they do moving forward with with season two, because ultimately, I want to talk. I don't know if we're going to move into that. The actual problems now, besides okay.
0: The thing is, I think ultimately the visuals look great, Mm -hmm. and sadly, that's might be where that ends, because other things like the some of the other stuff is kind of inoffensive or just not great but not terrible like the soundtrack the score and the music by someone who I'm a fan of Bear McCreary who did great with Battlestar Galactica and Black Sails I love the intro music to that and has the ability to do the job very very well it seems like it's just kind of more Again, kind of like a radio. It's just noise that's there that kind of hits the right emotional cues. But there's nothing like but Howard does Shores. does it
1: actually hit the right emotional cues? It doesn't
0: do it well. It hits like, oh, this is intense.
1: Because there's also moments where the music, and maybe that's not even Bear McCreary. In fact, I would say it's not. I have a feeling that it's the editor the, the, or the showrunners yeah. going into the sound and to that's the editing That's true. That room should be pointed and out. And probably bringing up the music. Say, okay, during this moment, let's bring the music up. Because they bring the music up at moments to add like this heightened, like to bring this this heightened emotion. And I'm wondering why they're trying to do it during a scene like this. That doesn't really fit with what is actually happening. Why is the music so epic right now? Or why has the volume been raised? It doesn't quite fit, but that goes in line with many of the other issues that I have overall with the show and how it's pieced together. And I'm talking about just, Good old-fashioned filmmaking now. Yeah. The, the narrative is so disjointed yeah, and illogical at times. There are things that characters do and say. For example, there are moments where two characters are talking and it feels like they're having two separate conversations.
0: That happens repeatedly.
1: When they're supposed to obviously be talking to each other and yet you get the idea they don't quite understand each other. Like, there's, like, context isn't there. One person's saying something, and the other says something that has no bearing on what the other person just said. And then, three minutes will go by, and then what that previous person had said would finally be acknowledged in the most strangest of ways. In fact, there's a moment in episode five that you had brought up where Galadriel was on the boat Mm-hmm. asking questions about the death of Isildur's, Isildur's, mother. Isildur's mother.
0: She's talking to Elendil on the boat, yeah.
1: And she asks about his mother. And the guy goes on this tangent. A bunch of flowery words. Very poetic for no reason. Just talking. And then about three minutes later, he answers her question. What? And the show is Filled with that. It feels like a bunch of writers. Now, I don't want to be a dighead here. Let let me find the best way to say this. (laughs) The way they write, the dialogue specifically, is what I'm talking about right now. Feels like they're trying to mimic Tolkien's way of writing, his writing style. But they don't quite understand how to make it work. So they have these characters talk in riddles and highly lyrical ways and how they describe things and explain things to the point to where it feels abstract at times. And it really doesn't mean anything. That's my biggest problem with their dialogue. And then there's moments where they do such poor exposition, where they spell things out for you. Like the moment where Galadriel meets Adar. Mm -hmm. And there's this exchange between the two of them that makes you roll your eyes because it's so fucking bad. And those are the moments that drag down the entire show for me. The entire show. It's the point. when it comes down to it, the biggest problem with this show is not the story in itself. You might have another view on that, but for me, it's not the story. It's the way the story is being told. It contradicts itself at times. Mm-hmm. The viewers left scratching their heads, wondering why you would do such a thing also spatially and temporally throws you off. You expect a character to take a long time to get to a location. And yet it takes a matter of seconds. And because of that, it confuses you. And the reason why I'm such a stickler for that, about taking some time to get places, because the entire Lord of the Rings story is built on the idea of a journey or an adventure. And in that process, it takes time for Frodo to get to Mordor. It takes three movies. It takes three movies for Bilbo to get to where he needs to go in Hobbit. In the Lord of the Rings series, it takes a matter of seconds to get from one place to the next. There is no time.
0: It suffers from what people gave Game of Thrones a hard time for in season seven and eight of just teleporting. Across the, we took, used to take seasons to get places we're teleporting within an episode.
1: And uh, listen, I might shrug and say, okay, I get it. For the purposes of a TV show, you might want to help the pacing a bit. So fine. But the fact that that is not even, if you're trying to do a prequel series, that is not in the DNA of the show. No. The show is a show about travel and journey which takes time. And if you bypass that, is it even really the same show? Is it even the same franchise? If you're just bypassing one of the biggest archetypes that make up the world of Lord of the Rings, the biggest problem when I, the the moment that was the red flag, the biggest red flag for me was when Galadriel finally convinced the people of Numenor, to go help the Southlands. And in one episode. They travel across sea. They get to Middle Earth. They trek across <laughs> all of Middle Earth. All uh-huh. of Middle Earth. And in 10 minutes, they're in the Southlands.
0: Yeah. And, and, and the thing too, dude, with that episode was not only did they get there, they made it to the Southlands. Then they rode inland. They battle. Full speed horseback sprinting. And here's the other thing, too. They sprint across the fields, hundreds of miles inland on horseback and full plate armor to just barely in the nick of time save some flea-bitten village on the brink of destruction after the door's already been knocked down and the orcs go out to fight in the middle of the broad daylight, which brings so many questions. But... I just wanted to see the caravan of all this. And then the next, the very next episode, they have enough supplies and caravans and medical instances and beds to set up a civil war style tent for all the injured. So I want to see where that horse and buggy carrying all those supplies was just fucking sprinting wheels, bouncing splintering wood across the (laughs) plains in order to keep up with this troop and army. And it just, it just breaks logic over its knee. Did you catch this? Because this is the, the part
1: that really makes those leaps in time such an eyesore. Let's say for the purposes of an argument, the writers wanted to travel or wanted to cover more ground. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they needed to because they have eight episodes. Okay. Fine. It's not ideal, but I understand what they're trying to do. But you cannot have a group of characters in the Southlands have their story going on and try to parallel what they're doing with the traveling people from Numenor. Obviously taken months to travel across the ocean, but you wouldn't realize that because the people in the Southlands are going through the exact beats that they were going through at the beginning of the episode. So, for example, Thomas, let's say you... And Ryan, another host on this network, are doing something here. You guys are building uh, a computer system that we bought for the studio,
0: right? Okay. Okay.
1: okay. And at the same time, I'm in Hawaii. It's going to take me 12 hours to get here. Right. And what you guys are doing should only take an hour. You'll be done in an hour. Right. But for some reason, during the process of 12 hours, you guys are still doing the exact same thing that obviously only took you an hour.
0: Right. To do. In one evening, that took the Southlands to hold out and try and fight against the orcs. The Numenorians sailed. And either way, so it doesn't make break, sense. They break time. They, they break either sailed time. for months on end and timed it just perfectly to get or there within five seconds, <laughs> or they traveled in five minutes.
1: That's my problem. It's not that they, even though it's not ideal, it's not that they are doing narrative tricks and just bypassing what we don't need to see. It's the fact that the adjacent scenes... Don't chronologically match up.
0: Well, and I think the biggest thing, and this is something you brought up. Does that up,
1: make sense? Yes. But okay. here's
0: here's why I think this is happening. And it, it's something you brought up earlier when it comes to the dialogue. They are, and I'm going to try and say this as nicely as I can, but I feel like there is just such a drive and a, and a desire to ape what was popular from the original trilogy Mm -hmm. that they're forcing and shoehorning it in here in ways that don't work in order to engender a sense of false memory. For example, that charge at the last moment when we're at our most dire moment and our team is holding out and the orcs are batting down the door, And then out of nowhere with the dawn of the sun come the recruits, the cavalry that was, or that is Numenor is Helm's deep and the and the showing up the, the arrival of Gandalf with the breaking of the dawn and the riders of Helm of Rohan coming into Helm's deep. They're trying to ape that moment. There is a scene directly in episode seven that is, Gal- uh, Galadriel and Theo hiding beneath a stump and branch while the orc sniffs over ahead of them, which is ripped straight from the iconic moment where the hobbits are hiding and the ring wraith is sniffing around yeah. for the, the ring. Yeah, There is the moment in which Galadri- Galadriel is yelling at the regent and she has this, this pitted, viperous angst in which she says, you know, basically, you're not the one to control me, regent, And she spits that word, which is ripped straight from Return of the King, in which when Denethor, the leader, the steward of Gondor, denies, he's like, my people will not bow to some filthy ranger from the north. Gandalf says, authority is not given to you to deny the return of the king, steward. And he spits that word at him. Mm -hmm. But these are moments that the Lord of the Rings movie earned that this show is trying to make your brain think they've earned because they're copying. And it's something you brought up as we were watching the final episode, something that Quentin Tarantino has said recently. It's essentially a paraphrased, was a paraphrased reboot, where you're, or a remake, paraphrased remake. You're copying something, but you're changing just enough to not have the teacher get get in trouble with you it's these things where they're trying to copy the 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 dialogue and the flow of how people said things or the the dramatic moments of the story that the show that the movie's had that the show just doesn't quite have arwin saying if you want him come and claim him and all these moments that are from trailers that we can quote and remember this show's trying to find that but they don't quite have either the they don't want to take the time to set those moments up properly or they think if we just throw it in, people will love that the same because I feel like it's, it's a zero faith in the audience that we can generate moments on something new. There's this big push, it seems, that unless it came from the 70s, 80s, 90s, nobody wants it. But all the stuff that came in the 70s, 80s, and 90s were original concepts. For the most part. Yeah. For the most part. There's obviously yeah. going to be inspirations and stuff. But why are we not inspired by? Why are we just trying to copy?
1: A lot of that also has to do with the, the audience appetite. There is a, a desire for nostalgia because life sucks currently. So a lot of people want to relive their past. So a lot of that has to do with the audiences. But however, also begs the question, well, how about we try something new and give it a fair yeah. shot and see if we can capture a new N- new hearts and minds, a well,
0: new generation that you can live off of for 50 or 60 years. And this is something I've said to you that I feel like eventually this idea of let's capture the eighties and nineties with nostalgia. All that makes is that the last 10 years of pop culture for the growing generation of Gen Z and, and Gen alpha has been the stuff their dad liked. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers reboots, <laughs> you know, all these comic books that their dad was into. They don't have their own stuff. And so eventually, as we see with this very demographic, it's going to shift older and older and you won't have worked to capture with anything new the generation that's been watching TikTok. Yeah. So
1: there's, you know, there's just, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I would say this series just. I mean, suffers from desires to be something it, that it's it, not it wants, it wants to, to revel in nostalgia but also ignore yes. obvious things that should be a part because if you want to revel in nostalgia and you want to rely on what came before then you should probably do so because then there's lots of moments that they purposely seem to just ignore things even forget lore that we haven't seen in live action for a second because mm. i know there's a lot of problems there's a lot
0: have. with that but yeah
1: but let's just look at the things that have been established. For example, in the final episode, the Harfoots, which are hobbits, Mm -hmm. they are so loud in the things they do. They are seen (laughs) by the elves. And yet one of the very cornerstones that's very, I mean, it's very clear, clearly described that the hobbits are stealthy, that they are nimble. Unassuming. They're unassuming. They're described as being... being able to seemingly disappear without a trace—that's the reason why Bilbo was hired, or brought on, to steal from the dragon.
0: A burglar. This yeah.
1: idea that they can, they can slip in and out unnoticed, and yet in the final episode, they—they they don't do any of that.
0: They're a commando unit.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's just one example. I can go with yeah. many examples where they deviate. And maybe a lot of this has to do with the fact that the creators didn't want to, even though they say so now in in interviews, that they were attempting to, you know, pay homage to Peter Jackson's Ring of Power or Lord of the Rings films. Mm -hmm. But then if you look at the original plan for the Rings of Power, the original plan was actually to redo Peter Jackson's films because initially the, the pitch was from these people. Initially, yeah. the pitch was to retell the Lord of the Rings, but it was rejected by the Tolkien estate. Yeah. So obviously these people wanted to retell the story. So I feel like now in, in, in the aftermath of all this, they may get on interviews and say, well, we want to, you know, pay homage to Peter Jackson. But I think it's the opposite. In a lot of ways, I feel like they are going to continue to wreck continuity because they probably don't view those movies as having any
0: real marriage anymore?
1: Uh, yeah, okay. Merit They, they, to, they feel to like their, to their story, and I feel like the only reason why they're telling this story is because that was part of the stipulation from the estate.
0: I feel like there's a lot of that. That mentality of it's old, therefore it doesn't matter. We need it new for a modern audience. Yeah, which is a
1: which is terrible bullshit phrase. because they're they're obviously schizophrenic and unable to choose which lane they're going to take because, okay, let's say they want to push back on Peter Jackson's films and they want to do their own thing. Creative, you know, creative license, if you will. But then they also rely on things that you, the viewer, would only know if you watch the movies. And there are moments that are so in your face like the reveal of Mordor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No one knows what the fuck Mordor is. Let's Uh. pretend the Lord of the Rings movies never happened. None of us would know what Mordor is and yet they play into it as if we do. There's a lot of that too. There's a lot of signaling that feels contrived and weak. Hey guys, remember this?
0: Yeah. There's a lot of other things that just give me kind of a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to some of this stuff because I've.
1: That Mordor scene, dude. The Mordor scene is terrible. It was so bad when the orcs are like.
0: Well, that was a great example of, we, of not talking to each other, but talking to the audience.
1: <laughs> or say something about, what are we going to call this place now? Which is so to fucking Adhar. stupid. what do they give and shit? It, and is all like, "Is no longer the Southlands. And then he sits down, looks at Mount Doom, and then a new title sequence pops up. A new uh, superimposed title that says Mordor. Like, oh my God, that was so fucking cheesy. And there's also like a bit of a smirk on his face.
0: Mm-hmm. And it just screams that the audience is like, and there's a reference from Scrubs that I shared with Mike where it feels like Scrubs made a joke where that JD, the lead character was like talking about a vampire doctor movie. And he's like, and then I'm going to have the words, Dr. Acula show up on the screen, take that period, get it out of there, (laughs) smash it together. and It's going to say Dracula. And then his boys like, that is an awesome ending. Thanks for telling me what I already know, Turk. Like that was a joke. Yeah. Here they did that. Mm-hmm. and thought they were fucking brilliant they nailed it nobody knew that this is how mordor started uh, okay and, and there's things
1: like that that i feel is really rough when they do things like that don't call yourself don't be self referential no, don't don't, be lo- don't don't look back at things that came before write your story and then when it's necessary include elements that have been established, but you don't need to draw attention to it. Well, I through, think that's one of the through things, the telling of your story. Eventually the people who are in the know will be like, ah, and the people who aren't, it'll be new information. Just worry about your story and less about your shitty reveals.
0: I think that's one of the things though, the, something you just brought up is tell your story. And I feel like rings of power, like many shows right now is not being created as a story that they want to tell but is instead being created as rights and IPs that we want to cash in on and that's very sad because there are stories that want to be told the people are wanting to be told especially with when there's so much about rings of powers marketing that was steeped in representation and talking about how We have different representation that is breaking into Tolkien's world that wasn't there before, which if you ask any hardcore Tolkien fan, it was there before, but just maybe not the movies for various different reasons. But there is a lot of other stories out there from different nations, different nationalities, different countries that could be told that have a purpose to be... Told that it should exist but instead of us taking any chances with those things we're just cashing in on stuff that we know people will make money on that will make money on it's it's not that they wanted to tell lord of the rings peter jackson wanted to tell tolkien's story these people wanted to use tolkien's story to make money it feels and that I, i that just sucks
1: well, luckily, the second season has been revealed that it'll be an all-female directing team. So I think
0: everything's going to improve. Well, if that doesn't change it, then, you know.
1: Like, I like that. Despite well, that doesn't mean anything. All, it doesn't mean anything, despite all the problems that this series has. That's it, what th- 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 you're going to hang your hat their on? Their announcement is, hey, guys, well, guess what? All of next season is going to be directed by women.
0: Yeah, you can't get mad at us now for it's sucking ass.
1: If that was released to me and there was like a press conference, I'd be like, excuse me, I'd always be that dick. Like, what what does that mean, actually, though? Thank you for that. But what does that actually mean? Can you explain that? Can you put that into big boy words and explain what that means and how that's going to benefit? Did you have a problem hiring
0: female directors before or have you changed your bigoted ways? And
1: is there a distinct difference creatively between women and men? Are Are you you, looking uh, at trans women to be direct? Are are women a subspecies in your eyes and you're now giving them a chance or are men a subspecies and women are superior? Like, please explain yourself. i would just be that
0: asshole journalist. I would, I would make them work for their bullshit because that's the thing. That is a bullshit marketing tactic. It is condescending to women and their abilities. Absolutely. It is condescending to the audience it thinking that. We're all ability. It undermines their abilities.
1: It undermines their perceived ability.
0: Hey, you can't get mad at their B minus effort, because they're women and that's the best they can do. Is that what you're <laughs> coming yes. at this with? Or maybe you should just hire great directors regardless of who they are. Maybe what? you shouldn't ex- maybe you shouldn't judge people by who they look like, what character class they fit from a visual only perspective. I mean, they could benefit from better directing. Uh, that, if they're all new directors, I'm down to give that a shot.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's all they had to say to me,
0: all new staff of writers and directors. That would have been a better
1: freaking selling point. It hasn't been stated yet because I think Amazon is trying to do things very carefully because they don't want to undermine when you're dealing with a franchise franchise like this. It is difficult to make changes openly yeah. because when you make changes, you run the risk of undermining the work that came before, and that can hurt your bottom line a lot. It's the reason why Lucasfilm and Star Wars has continued to stick with their, with their terrible ideas for, mm-hmm. the, for the new sequel trilogy. How can they admit that they made a mistake? If they did, it would actually undermine the success
0: that these films did have. I think the thing, though, is, too, you, you have to admit because either you'll lose money at a certain point... Yeah. Or people will... And that's the thing is we had this discussion with Tony the other day. They were kind of going off tangent. But Marvel has people mad because its quality has not been there lately. But honestly, having an audience be mad is still a good thing. Because the line between anger and love is is very close. Mm-hmm. It still means you're passionate yeah. about something. What you don't want to happen is what has, I would argue, happened with Star Wars. And that is that the audience slips into apathy, where they just don't care anymore. The audience isn't there. They're not watching. They don't care about the upcoming. No one's going to care about episode 10, if and when that starts. Because you've put such a bad taste in people's mouth for so long. So you eventually kind of have to pay the piper. Whether that's a quiet retcon. Or you slowly phase things out within lore, things that change what was established before in a meaningful way, not just saying that the Holdo maneuver was a one in a billion. I, I don't want to go on that. But I, and Can that's Can you the please other thing. not
1: uh, validate it by calling it the Holdo maneuver? Please? The, the Holdo fuck up,
0: uh, you know. And I think that's the thing is that right now Rings of Power in its first season is already suffering that because there's been articles saying that if you didn't like season one, you're going to love the writing direction we're taking yeah. for season two. Oh, well, we'll see. Well, one, I doubt that. But two, if I loved season see, one, so now it's going to be completely different.
1: What did they just say? Well, writing direction. Like, Listen, the idea, the problems people had wasn't the direction, the writing direction. It was the actual narrative, and these groups of writers obviously do not know how to construct a narrative. That's the problem, not the story. So unless someone comes out and say, "Hey, guess what, guys? We're going to actually get some writing lessons before we start writing season two. Uh, We're all going to get better. We're going to improve. We're going to have a couple workshops." I'm still going to be hesitant moving into season two.
0: Yeah. Don't. This is the thing. What I don't understand with so much of professionals in Hollywood is, wouldn't you want to say? When did it become so faux pas to say, I want to get better at my craft? Yeah. To say, you know what? I Like, you can be as a writer or a director, be like, I'm proud of what I did with the first season, but I see a lot of room for improvement in myself, and I always strive to get better. So that's my goal for season two. Because humility is... Is unacceptable. Yeah. And it's a shame. And I think getting down to it, what does this show need? Last statement. What mm-hmm. does this show need to make season two better than season one. And I think that one of the main things is the narrative and pacing. We need to cut our characters down Mm -hmm. or have the time in which we see them be meaningful and impactful because we get a lot of moments that are just meandering about and a lot of things that don't tie into one another. They're just there for the sake of some shock moments, especially the final season was very egregious about that. Some characters are flat out absent because clearly they had nothing else to add. That's a mistake if your finale doesn't have a third of your cast. Yeah. Unless they died in the previous
1: episode. I would agree with that. I think moving into season two, what really needs to be looked at is the scope of the film and Mm -hmm. how they're going to tell the story. How are they going to structure this out? Because as I said, the, the series season one would have been far stronger if they would, would have taken a more smaller, nuanced approach.
0: I think, that, and that's one of those things, It's we talked about before with, when you go big for an event in your show or movie, the next one has to be smaller scale and more closer tied to the characters. I think you tried this huge, big thing with the creation of Mount Doom and Mordor and Sauron's reveal, which you were way too early on that. But I think if you go far more small scale and important character stories... That will help. And it'll also help your budget.
1: (laughs) The story would have been far better. Imagine if it was just Galadriel is, for all intents and purposes, she is the lead. She should have been the focal point all the way through.
0: Why isn't she meeting these characters along the way?
1: Yeah. And if you wanted to introduce other things, then so be it. But the story should have been her relationship and the friendship she had made or is making with Sauron and the fact that she should not have found out that he was Sauron. It should have mm-hmm. been a season two season three thing yeah. that none of us knew that this guy who's allegedly the King of the Southlands is actually Sauron. We that could would have, have been so much better. That could if, have
0: been their red wedding.
1: Could have been their Darth Vader moment. Yeah. It could have been that moment, that reveal. I'm your father. If they had waited two or three seasons, and, and that instead, comes back, everyone dude. saw it coming from a mile away because it was so fucking obvious. And that
0: comes back to you're just making radio noise content. You're not making those water cooler moments that people remember and talk about.
1: So, I guess moving into season two, I would like to see just smaller scale story. Keep the scope you know aesthetically show your landscapes make us feel like this world is big when it, but when it comes down to the story choose one or two locations yeah. and focus on really fleshing it out
0: yeah so there's plenty more that can be talked about we might do more about that uh down the road, we're not sure just yet. But for now and for today, I think that's enough to talk What's about. What's your RMD
1: score though for the whole season? Oh,
0: dude, I'm not prepared. For oh, that. yes, you are. I'm just not. throw
1: out a number. You're ready. Come on, you can do it. No one will judge you.
0: Fifty mm, percent. <laughs> what? Fifty? That's in the middle of our like. Eh, it's a. It's a thing.
1: Okay, it um, exists. I'd probably give it like a sixty-one.
0: It's not that much different than where I was, but yeah,
1: fifty. It's eleven, Thomas. Eleven percent mm-hmm. difference. That's a whole grade level. Yeah.
0: Well, we didn't get into a whole lot of lore, and that's a whole grade level okay, that you yeah, fail in my yeah, class. Okay,
1: that's. <laughs> I'll give you that. Again, I don't. The reason why I'm not going to invalidate that reason. However, when it I, okay, comes to my me, own, my own criticism. I typically don't use lore
0: as a show. Sixty percent. Okay. As a adaptation of Tolkien's work. Fifty percent. Okay, that's fair. That's where I'll uh,
1: I'll hang fair. my hat that, on that. You know what? I would agree with that. That yeah. I would agree for sure.
0: Yeah. So, like I said, that's enough probably for today. Uh, we might come back to some other topics as we as we see fit with this subject. And I think, unfortunately, we're going to be looking at Rings of Power season two with less of an eye of excitement and more an eye of they better impress us, which is a Never a fun place to put your product in.
1: It hasn't been announced yet, right? The second season,
0: like the dates? It has not, to my knowledge right now, it has not announced dates. And I think next year would be too early. So I'm going to guess 2024, but we'll update people as well. So at least a year, at least a year to to see what they need to do. And it may be longer if they do a lot of work on the back end. So. With that, we want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to us. Let us know what you think about the Rings of Power and various other shows you're watching. And we'll see you all next time.